From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speed vary and not guaranteed. It's time once again for another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Emily Rowell. Good morning and thank you for listening to another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell. And I have Miss Christina Campbell in the office with me, or the studio <laughs> with me this morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? Good. I'm so glad that you could make it in this Thank morning. Thank you. And she is the managing attorney of the Campbell Law Practice, LLC, lo- located here in Atlanta, Georgia, because this is Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. <laughs> and in 2011, she formed the Campbell Law Practice, which specialized in adoptions and workers' compensation for the injured workers. She also focuses on making a greater impact on families. She is an experienced adoption attorney where she has finalized numerous adoptions. Every day, Comcast Business is helping businesses big and small go beyond the expected to do the extraordinary. Because beyond a simple transaction, there is making a customer for life. Comcast Business, beyond fast. Take your business beyond at ComcastBusiness.com. ...throughout Georgia, and her practice includes adult, <coughs> excuse me, agency, foster care, interstate, private party, relative, and step-parent adoption. We're so glad to have you. Can you please tell me what made you decide to go into the adoption field of law? Well, it comes down to impacting families. Um, Families is a core value that I have, and so it was just very important that I specialize in practice areas that impact families. So um, adoptions, for the obvious reason, Uh, It brings families together legally. Um, It just provides security and finality. And so uh, that is one of the reasons why I chose adoptions as one of my practice areas. And you also do workers' compensation as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I also selected workers' comp as a practice area because it also impacts families. You have this uh, person that gets injured at work. Um, they, they're feeling um, anxious, they're hurt, they're confused, and they're unable to work, but yet they still possess that need to provide for their family. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to use my uh, legal talents and gifts um, to counsel them, to provide them um, their knowledge and the rights that they're entitled to and help them get that weekly check Um, if they're entitled to, to help provide for their family while they're out of work. So that's one of the reasons why I selected Workers' Comp as well. So you do both together, and you would never think that those two would go together, but now I understand why. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, what types of adoptions uh, does the Campbell Law Practice handle? The Campbell Law Practice handles domestic adoptions in the United States. So that's relative adoptions. Uh, foster care adoptions, private party adoptions, that's um, individuals that come together themselves uh, that, that, and don't, do not use an agency um, to arrange their adoptions. Interstate adoptions, that's where the child is being adopted from another state um, mm-hmm. outside of Georgia. Step-parent adoptions and adult do- adoptions. Okay. So um, what is the most common of those? I would say step-parent adoption is the most common adoption, and the reason I would say that is because there are a lot of blended families. Mm. There are a lot of families that um, are on, um, that are remarrying. Mm -hmm. Um, There are families that have children um, from prior relationships that they are bringing um, into this new marriage, and they're looking for a way to make um, their family more secure, and a step-parent adoption will help them do that. Um, a oh. step-parent adoption provides the security that they need um, because if a step-parent has not legally adopted uh, a child and the biological parent should die or become incapacitated or or even if they divorce, that step-parent would not have legal custody of that child. And so that means that a court could um, um, send the child to foster care or mm-hmm. could even award custody of that child to another relative. 
And that child may not even have a relationship with that relative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's real important um, for these blended families to have security. So I would say that that's one of the most common adoptions. It's funny because I never knew that that was the case. Yeah. I never knew that you would adopt a step-parent. <laughs> it took me a, a second. It took me a second. <laughs> but I got it. We're live in the studio here at Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I was wondering if she was going to You're not usually on. that quick, Emily. I'm surprised. You caught everybody off guard, yeah. She was practicing. So tell me, uh, what are some of the legal implications and benefits of a step-parent adoption? Okay, well, one of the most obvious implications is that when, once there's a step-parent adoption, the... Um, the legal, the step parent and the legal parent become, or the biological parent are legally equal. Okay. So that means that they have the same right. The biological parent no longer has st- stronger, uh, you know, legal rights. Mm-hmm. They are legally equal. But there's also some benefits with um, a step parent adoption, such as now um, the child can receive health insurance from a step mm-hmm. a step parent's employer or receive workers' comp benefits. If um, the step-parent gets injured, if a child is sick, a step-parent consent to, can consent to the medical treatment or even receive time off under the Family and Medical Leave Act. And um, if the, this is a legal implication, such as if the step-parent and the biological parent should separate or even divorce, now that they're legally equal, that step-parent can seek custody and even child support. So there's significant legal implications and benefits of a step-parent adoption. Tell me about the process of adopting. Is it really long, or does it depend upon what kind of adoption it is? It does. It does depend on what kind of adoption it is. It depends on um, what's necessary in the process, such as surrendering rights or terminating parental rights. Um, But... You know, it can be anywhere from um, 60 days up until 120 days, you know, at the legal process of sure. it. The, yeah, the legal process of it. All right, so uh, you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts, uh, Rich Casanova, producer, engineer, alongside your host, uh, Emily Rao. So uh, talk to us about when uh, someone reaches out to your office and wants to uh, move forward in the legal process. Uh, what are some of those steps that are involved in that? So if someone does want to... Um, if someone does contact me, I provide each person a free initial consultation. And during that time, I listen to each person's story to learn the specific facts surrounding um, the adoption. And then I educate them on the adoption process. Um, And we discuss the specific challenges that may occur with um, their adoptions and any foreseeable roadblocks and our plan on how we would... um, attack those um, challenges and how we could overcome them. And um, just discussing um, the adoption process and um, termination of parental rights if necessary or even if there's voluntary surrender. And then, of course, there's adoption expenses. So I would educate them on the adoption expenses that would be specific to their adoption so that they can help plan for it. And then just listen to their concerns and questions and make sure, um, you know, that I've addressed anything that uh, they may have concerns or questions about. You know, my goal would be to make sure that once we finish the initial consultation, that they felt one step closer to making a decision as to whether they wanted to adopt or or not. So that would be um, what would occur when someone contacts the office. That must be very rewarding, just um, oh, very. right I'll connecting those families and making that happen. Because um, uh, I've had family members go through similar situations, and it's uh, um, the ripple effect of that and what you're setting in place for for years and generations. Right, right? Uh, you got to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It is very rewarding, and it's um, it's it's very important. It's very detailed, yeah. and you want to make sure that you are with an experienced adoption attorney because. It's emotional, and it's, oh, yeah. it, it's so significant and important. You do want to get it right. Right. I mean, they talk about um, in life uh, your, your biggest uh, transactions, your home and your car and so forth, but you can't get any more impactful than the family and the relationships. And the, um, but there's got to be – we probably don't have time for it. But I'm just imagining <laughs> mine, all of the, the challenges of uh, your 
putting all these parties together and not, they're not always agreeing, right? They're not always agreeing. <laughs> they're not. And, and sometimes they're absent and you right, have yeah. to find them. There's a lot of different factors yeah. that can uh, occur in, in, in an adoption. And it's specific to, um, each person, each right. family. So I can imagine that each case is completely, completely from different. The other. Yes. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about workers' comp. If somebody does get hurt at work, what are some of the common mistakes of an injured worker? Well, some common mistakes would be not reporting the accident immediately to a supervisor. I see this, you know, time and time again. Um, there's a misconception by the injured worker that they think, you know, I can just work through it. I don't need to tell anyone. And, you know, and that's really kind of doing themselves an injustice by not reporting the accident as soon as it happened to a supervisor. And then another common mistake is not seeking treatment immediately. Again, they they try to, I can just go home and sleep this off, or I'm mm-hmm. just going to work through it. And they don't seek that medical treatment that they need. And um, th- that can end up, you know, later on getting their claim denied, actually, mm-hmm. because um, a, if a lot of time goes a lot of time passes before they seek that treatment, the employer is likely to think that that accident didn't really happen um, at work or so, you know, you want to seek that treatment immediately. Would you say that even if it may not be a case to at least report it and that way you could err on the side of caution? Definitely. Absolutely. I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily go on, oh, I, I need this to be a workers' compensation claim, and sure. that's going to determine whether I report it. But if it's something minor, if it's something ma- major or serious, report it, mm-hmm. because you never know how you're going to feel later, later on. Because mm-hmm. you know. I know minor injuries could really start. Absolutely. Turn into something compounding. more significant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's the next question here? Do you have any suggestions or tips for injured workers to help keep their workers' comp claims from being denied? Speaking of. Yeah. Well, you know, I, like I just said, report all injuries as soon as they happen, but also make sure you report all of the body parts that are injured. Because sometimes there may be something significant, like you, you, um, your leg, you you feel like you broke your leg, but at the same time you injured your shoulder and it may be minor at the time because the pain in your leg is so severe, report every single body part. Um, So later on, if that body part does become um, something significant, you reported it. And another tip is ask to go to them to get medical treatment immediately, you know, Mm -hmm. ask for that and then contact an attorney to help advise you on your rights. Don't rely on just the adjuster to guide you because they're not necessarily going to tell you all your legal rights. Got it. Now, if there's a long time injury that you didn't really know, so it started a long time ago, say like carpal tunnel or um, I had a relative that worked and she had to step down a stair every time she got off the cash cashier or the cash register. Sorry. Um, so she'd turn around and step down on the stair every time. And every time doing that move, she started to hurt after years of doing it. Yeah. So how do you know if that's okay to report if, you know, if it's been going on for a long time? Well, you want to report it. Um, you know, it's not your job to diagnose yourself. You'll let the medical physician diagnose it and relate it to the workers' compensation injury. So that's why... If Although you, you know, you have to have it proven by the... Right, you, it's causation, correct. So you report that. Okay, so you do it anyway. You report it anyway. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We really enjoyed you, you well, here thank on the you show. for having me. And if you will let our listeners know exactly how they can reach you. Sure. You can reach me at my website at www.campbelllawpractice.com. And you can call me at 404-981-5257. Thank you, Christina. That was Christina Campbell on the Atlanta Legal Experts Radio Show. And this is your host, Emily Ravel, on the Atlanta Legal Experts Radio Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have Charlotte Rideau. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And she is an employment attorney with Schwartz Rollins, a specialty employment law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. She concentrates her practice on labor and employment issues affecting businesses and employees in the private sector. She litigates and resolves various employment issues concerning discrimination, harassment, retaliation claims under federal and state employment laws. So tell me, 
tell me a little background story about yourself, how you got started into law. Um, long story to get to the um, point where I am in terms of working as an employment law attorney, but I used to work in human resources for about 10 years. Um, worked in human resources, represented companies, of course, did a lot of compliance um, work, did a lot of training, and I had the fortunate opportunity to work with attorneys in mm-hmm. that role. And, you know, as I was working with the attorneys, I was like, you know, I think I can do this. And so I decided <laughs> Maybe to go to better. law school. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so decided to go to law school, and the rest is history. That's fantastic. Um, absolutely love it. And you love what you do. That's I awesome. I do. I can tell I already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about your firm and the types of services that you provide. Um, as you mentioned, we are um, a <clears throat> specialty employment law firm. We're actually located um, right around the corner um, near Lenox Mall. Uh, we represent both employers and employees okay. in various employment situations. So we handle all facets of employment law. Everything employment law we handle, and we're very focused on what we do. Okay. Um, and we litigate, resolve issues in federal and state court. We represent our clients um, before a lot of different administrative agencies, like mm-hmm. the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, we represent our clients before the Georgia Department of Labor. So if there's an unemployment claim, we represent okay. folks on both sides of the aisle, whether it be employers or employees. Um, we also do a lot of compliance work. Um, sometimes our clients come to us and they want simple employment advice, and they want to be proactive and prevent a situation from happening. Sure, So sure. a lot of times we'll provide um, employment advice. We do handbooks. We do employment agreements, severance agreements. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually did a wage and hour um, seminar for our clients. So that's one free service we do provide for our clients is um, periodic trainings on different issues. Now, would startup um, businesses be a good um, prospect for you guys? Absolutely. Um, when you're a startup business, a lot of times um, you don't know what you don't know. And right. so it's good, I believe, to get in contact with experts, definitely legal experts, whether it be mm-hmm. financial ex- experts, to make sure you're doing things properly. Sure. Because um, I think sometimes people think they're saving money in the short run by saying, I'm not going to pay money for an attorney mm-hmm. or I'm not going to pay money for a CPA or what have you, but it could end up costing you more money in the long term. The so long definitely, term. startups should definitely consult an mm-hmm. employment law attorney. Yeah, they, they're really focused on what they do because they love it, but then they don't really want to worry about the whole legal aspect of it. Absolutely. But Okay, so um, tell me, what is the difference between the employment at will and the right to work doctrine? I tell you, these two doctrines are probably some of the most confused. Uh, a lot of people confuse these two terms. But and I'm still confused over it. I've <laughs> asked that question before. <laughs> so we're going to have you answer that clearly. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, employment law has to do with terminations. Right to work has to do with um, a doctrine that is involved when you're first hired. But basically, employment at will, an employer and an employee, there's, they have the, both have the right to end the employment relationship at any time for any reason, good reason, bad reason, no reason at all. So in Georgia, it's a very pro-business state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you decide you want to end the relationship, either party, they can do so. Now, okay. even though companies do have a lot of discretion over who they hire, who they fire, when they do that, there are exceptions to the rule. For example, you can't terminate someone because of their race or sex or sure. religion or national origin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically the employment at will doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, the right to work doctrine basically um, states that all employees have the right to work in an environment without having to join a union or without having to pay union dues. And right now, um, the United States is about 50-50 in terms of some um, states are right-to-work states, meaning mm-hmm. you can jo- join that company without having to join the union. Correct. And then some, you know, if you, like, for example, in New York, the Northeast is really big on, you know, if, a co- if you're going into a union environment, you have to join the union. Or sure. you may have to buy union dues, have to um, pay, pay union, union dues, dues. right? Mm-hmm. But in Georgia, I mean, you can join a um, union environment, a company that ha- that's represented by a union, but you don't have to pay union dues. Okay. So that's the difference between the two of them. Oh, see, now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So you really know what you're doing. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what essential employment documents should every employer have to ensure compliance with federal and state employment laws? In terms of employment documents, absolutely recommend you have an employee handbook. No matter sure. what size your company, have an employee handbook. And a handbook is basically just a summary of your benefits, summary of your um, policies and procedures, mm-hmm. your work rules. And what that does is it, it creates expectations mm-hmm. for the workplace. The employees know what to expect. The um, employers know what to expect from their employees. Mm-hmm. So definitely that employment document is essential. Um, having employment agreements, 
having severance agreements if you need them mm-hmm. is definitely important. Having disciplinary action forms, <laughs> definitely yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, but those are some critical documents every company should have. Yeah, and I feel like these also need to change on a regular basis, don't you think? Like, um, I know with our handbook, you know, we update it on a regular basis. It's like almost like a living and breathing document, that's what people say, because, you know, things change, policies change. Um, we had a, an 80s rule back from the 80s that you had to wear pantyhose. <laughs> glad I didn't work here then. <laughs> and it's simple, but I mean, it's funny because nobody really wears them anymore. You know, it's just, I mean, they do, but policy. you know what I mean. <laughs> it was a policy. If you had a skirt on, you had to wear pantyhose. But now we just use tanning spray. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. Yeah. <laughs> this is important stuff. We cover everything, yeah. So um, it's, would you agree that it's a living and a breathing document that needs to change as things change? Absolutely. And one thing I tell folks, don't do this at home. I mean, sometimes we'll have employers. <laughs> don't try this at home. No, don't try this at home. Yes, yes. Sometimes we'll have employers who uh, will grab a um, employment handbook off the Internet, for example. Uh-huh. And it's very important that you have an ha- employee handbook customized to your organization because not every law fits every company. Mm-hmm. Certain laws kick in if you have a certain number of employees, like the Civil Rights Act kicks in if you have 15 or more employees. Okay, uh, sure. So it's important to uh, make, definitely make sure it's have customized to your business. expert that knows the laws. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Um, so what are the causes of most employee-related disputes I think one of the largest causes are just misunderstandings. Um, a lot okay. of times co- employees will come into our office and they're upset and they're frustrated and they really don't have a legal claim, uh-huh. but because they feel like there's favoritism in the workplace or they feel they're being treated unfairly or they feel that the employer's not following the handbook, <laughs> for <Sure>. instance, <laughs> they're mad. They're mad, they're angry. And so one of the best ways for a company to avoid lawsuits is one, have the employee handbook treat people fairly, mm-hmm. train your supervisors to treat people fairly and consistently. Because mm-hmm. um, there's so many times when an employer will come to me and say, well, I like, I'm just going to make a hypothetical, I like mm-hmm. Joe. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pay have paid leave for six weeks for Joe for his illness. But I don't really care for Sally, <laughs> so I'm not right. going to do it for her. But th- those type of issues, when you play mm-hmm. favorites, it tends to enrage employees and become angry. Sure. Then they come see an attorney, and then it goes from there. Now, and I would see a misunderstanding would be just because you're not talking with them regularly. So you may be doing something wrong, but if you don't let them know that they're doing something wrong, then how are they going to know and how are they going to fix it? So a lot of times it can go on and on and on until you it's too late and then you're frustrated over it. So I guess keeping open communication would be another. That is an absolutely excellent point. I can't tell you how many times um, an employer will have an employee who's not very good. They make a lot of errors, um, a lot of problems on the job, but they don't confront the employee. They don't write up, mm-hmm. d- they don't do disciplinary actions. Um, they let the employee um, stay on the job, and then all of a sudden, the employee does something that's really bad, and they're fed, the employer's fed up, and they fire the person on the spot. Yeah. And I tell yeah. you, that's the best way uh, to sh- a surefire way to make sure that employee's going to head to attorney because the employee's sitting there like, I was a great employee. Right. And I got fired out the blue. That's their perspective. Right. Because there was no communication. Right. So that, that's right. a common reason that employees will go to employers so talk to us about some uh, hot topics happening uh currently uh what's on what comes across your desk on a regular basis one of the largest hot topics um is the new wage and hour overtime rule that's going to come out december 1st 2016 and it's probably going to affect about 40 million employees and what's happening basically is you know with the fair labor standards act it um is a federal law which um mandates minimum wage requirements overtime record keeping what have you and there are a lot of exemptions there are probably about 60 different exemptions Mm. for um to prevent employees from employers from having to pay overtime Mm. but what's happening you have what's called these white collar exemptions so basically certain executives certain administrative employees certain professionals um, an employer does not have to pay them overtime if they work 40 hours in a week assuming they meet all the requirements under law but what's uh, happening actually is that um, the base, the minimum wage for paying these folks, used to be four fifty-five per week. Now it's going up to nine thirteen per week as of wow. December first. So this is kind Jeez, of can I get in on that or uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's so a, that's a big jump. So a yeah. lot of employers around the country are very concerned sure. about this because it's going to a lot of individuals are going to have to start paying hourly and pay overtime if they work over forty. So that's one of the biggest issues. Yeah. Uh, so not even are they paying hourly more, but they're also paying more after hours if they're working more. 
Right. Or basically, with a lot of these employees, they're going to have to start paying them overtime, whereas before they did not have to pay them overtime. Got it. Right. Got it. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a statement earlier about uh, Georgia being a pro-business state. I love that because that's uh, three-quarters <laughs> of our name or our pro-business uh, channel. Um, but talk to us about, I've heard in the past that uh, there's a benchmark of number of employees where uh, many of these, if not a lot of these, don't come into play. Like if you have less than 11 or what is there a number where, because um, if you just have two or three people, that's a lot of things you got to follow and, re- and regulate, right? Absolutely. Um, for example, one of the biggest federal laws that we um, work under is Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act, okay. and that law kicks in if an employer has 15 or more employees. Um, same thing with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Right. Um, there's another law called the Americans um, uh, Age Discrimination Employment Act, which right. kicks in if an employer has 20 or more employees. Right. And so one thing you find is, you know, it's important to consult an employment law attorney just to know yeah. whether your company falls under these laws or not. Right. Um, But, yeah, there are certain thresholds. Yeah, because you hear a lot of these um, issues with um, uh, the employee-employee relationships and all of the government regulations, and you're thinking, I've got five or six people. Do I have to follow everything Everything. A to to Z? But that's in place because, right, that's just a lot for that size company to manage, right? Or it's it's overkill. Right. Right. But I I tell you, regardless of whether you – like, say, if you have seven employees, and you're like, well, I don't have to follow the Civil Rights Act because I only have seven employees – one motto I always say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Treat people fairly, no matter how many employees oh, absolutely. you have. Agree, yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I tell you, a lot of times people will seek an attorney, and they don't have a legal claim, but it still costs the company a lot of money to defend the claim. Right, right. Oh, right. yeah. So yeah. treat we'll, people We'll fairly. do the right thing. Right, know. do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just so that those small businesses are not overburdened you know, uh, unnecessarily. Absolutely. But they still have to you know, uh, do right for people. Ex- exactly. So um, when somebody's looking for an employment law firm, what are they, what's the most important things to look for? I think one of the things you should look for, and this is no matter what type of attorney you're trying to um, find, is definitely make sure you find someone who specializes in employment law. Very important. You have a lot of firms out there um, that, for example, they may um, practice personal injury law, or they may mm-hmm. practice family law, or practice a variety of other different types of law, but you need someone that specifically knows employment law. So that's one thing I would definitely look for. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, there's nothing wrong with going on the Georgia Bar website and finding out if there are any complaints filed against your attorney. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. Google your attorney. Yeah. Use the website. Google them. Um, there's nothing wrong looking on that LinkedIn page, their website. Talk to your friends and relatives. Usually your best sources of referrals are friends and relatives mm-hmm. who've used a particular attorney. And mm-hmm. they can say, hey, I like this attorney or I don't. Um, one of the things I think is important, too, is personality. Attorneys have different personalities. Some are very hands-on. <laughs> and they'll you know, work with you. They'll talk to you. Others yeah. are like, you know, don't call me. Email me. <laughs> <laughs> But you may dive with that. I mean, that may be something that right, you're okay with. Right. So, yeah. So it's whoever matches your personality, Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. And definitely go see the attorney. Don't pick someone off a website without meeting the attorney mm-hmm. personally because mm-hmm. your strategy may be different. Different attorneys have different strategies for resolving different issues. So definitely don't pick an attorney sight unseen. Definitely meet right. them. So you're not recommending Craigslist, then, is what you're saying? Absolutely. Uh, Call Emily. She knows every attorney in town and we're in the city, right? Just go to the website, landlegalexperts.com, and you you can actually search now on the website for the categories. So, yeah, so they can put in employment law, and then Charlotte will pop up right on the top. Not Charlotte that's in the studio today, but you're, you're Charlotte, yeah. No, Charlotte. I was <laughs> yes, talking about Charlotte. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you, we have a, um, a Charlotte also in, in uh, Peachtree offices as yes, well, but we that's do. a different Charlotte, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. That's why I remembered her name very well. <laughs> so speaking of social media, uh, if you'll tell our listeners how to reach you. Okay. You can reach me on the web at www.gaandplummetlawyers.com. You can also um, call me at 404 844-4130. I'd be more than happy to speak to you. Well, thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you on the show today. You definitely know what you're talking about. Thank you for having me. And that was Charlotte Redu on Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. So yeah, we're going to pause here, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to go check out real quick? Just put that on pause. Yeah. And then see if uh, uh, yeah, Deb. Yeah, she said she'd be here right about now. So All right, yeah. She just <laughs> Yay, That was fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it always motivates me for the week. Oh, good. Yeah.
show on Tuesday. Yep. <laughs> we thought about doing when it on I Sunday, but yeah. When I early, though, I'm like, yeah. why Hey, Deb, what's going on? <laughs> well, no, that was just because I get my snoring husband. <laughs> okay. Just wrapped it up, so um, if you, you want to take my seat, and you'll just say, you know, I'm Deb Beach, I'm in for Emily Wilder. Okay. You, know, you can close that door there, yeah. Yay. Great job. Do you want to, um, we can mic you up over there in the seat in case you want to pipe in on conversation or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, because you want to close out the show as well. So, Stephen, if you would grab another mic right there. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you just on the corner. I heard about adoption. But that way you're not like, uh, oh, yeah, I should yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, that would be there. I'm Christina. Yeah. Hi, I'm Deb. Hi, Christina. You're okay? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you, Charlie. <laughs> no, Do you work together? Yeah, that's fine. No, actually, employment law, different firms. Right. Okay. Okay. Good morning. Here we go. How are you do, doing? I haven't seen you in a while either, yeah. Hey, Rich. No, this is Deb Beecham with yeah, my yeah. Advocate Center. Yeah, yeah. Stepping in for Emily. Well, hold on. We're not oh, on. Yes, yeah. we're not on? Not yet, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, okay, so we're going to, um, I was just saying hi I to wasn't you. Sure yeah. you <laughs> I know, exactly. Warning yeah. or not. I know, yeah. We're just having this on for the photos here, but yeah, okay. so we're not on right. right now, but I'll give you the kind of the cue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, all right, so I'll just kind of give you a nod, and you're, you're ready to start recording? Yeah, we have you up on a Periscope. I saw you were tweeting and retweeting on your way over, yeah. Yeah. At stoplights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the inf all your information. Yeah, no, I'm... So I, I won't say anything. I'm just going to kind of point to you. Stephen, were you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Okay, yeah. So, um... I'm just going to point to you, and then you just kind of roll with it, like Emily was saying. You're here uh, 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 for sitting in with Emily. Okay, here we go. Ready? Three, two. This is Deb Beecham sitting in. Oh, no. This is Deb Beecham sitting in with Emily Rowell on Atlanta Legal Experts, and I'm thrilled to be back. It's nice to be in the studio with some fantastic legal experts, and I'm here to talk with um, an advocate who was referred to me by, um, actually through Emily Rowell, and um, been very excited to get to know another expert in the area of child custody, family law, and you know the topic that I like to focus on is conflict resolution and how we can help families transition through conflict more safely, more efficiently, and really with the needs of the children, you know, as the top priority. And um, Brooke, welcome. Thank you. So this Thank is you. it's nice to be here. Yeah, this is um, Brooke Atkinson, and her website, if you are listening and would like to tune in as you're listening, look at her website. It's atkinsonadvocate.com, correct? Yes, atkinsonadvocate.com. Atkinson with a T. A lot of people use a D for some reason. Yeah, yeah Atkinson Advocate. And so that's a fantastic name, and it says exactly what you are. So I understand that you've been... Um, studying this field for quite some time, and your professional background is different from most of the advocates in this arena. And can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, sure. So my background actually comes from law enforcement. I worked for the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office for 11 years, and about seven of those years were in investigations where I specialized in crimes against women and children. So I had a lot of experience investigating cases of domestic violence, child molestation, child homicide, homicides in general, um, but also really more simple things like harassing phone calls and stalking. And those sound simple, but honestly, they seemed to be the more complicated ones. The bigger cases, the child molestations, the homicides, those were pretty cut and dry types of cases. But when you got to harassing phone calls and stalking and some other domestic violence type issues, those were the ones that really got complicated because there were so many dynamics at play. A little harder to prove 
that there's actual damages going on, you know, where where is that line beyond which you put you issue the restraining order and how long do you leave the restraining order in place? And there's a lot of he said, she said that gets caught up in these cases. So um, attorneys tend to look for advocates or experts. Um, and, and there's a I'm going to go into the advocate versus expert a little bit. There are advocates like with the YWCA, um, the Jewish Community Center who focus on domestic violence. Um, there's advocates for women, advocates for men advocates for children and you know I'm going to break apart further with CASA. CASA is court appointed special advocates for children which is in juvenile court. So Brooke, do you do any work in juvenile court? I do actually. I am a lay guardian ad litem. So that's a guardian ad litem who is not an attorney. And I often get appointed by juvenile court in Forsyth County on cases that get sent down from superior court. So I don't necessarily work the same types of cases that a CASA would. Um, but typically the cases that come from superior court where the judge is like, I don't really know what to do with this case. Let's send it to somebody that has more resources because juvenile court has more resources than superior court does. Right. And that being said, those cases that get sent to juvenile court are typically cases without attorneys. And so I often end up working an investigation, really, on both sides who are very, well, they're trying very hard to do what's right, but they're trying to do it without the help of a legal advocate. And so I end up trying to find a middle ground that's good for the child that I can provide to the court. It sounds like we need more resources in terms of professionals um, stepping into that arena. If there were more professionals, more attorneys specifically, that had the ability to step into and provide legal advice for individuals that can't afford it, that really do need legal advice, that would be a wonderful thing. Right. And that's what we're seeing. That's what the data says at My Advocate Center, that there is a big gap there. So, But another big gap and that you're filling is the need for experts who have the kind of background and perspective that you do, which I think makes you really stand out. And I was excited to see your, your CV, which I believe you have um, a document that we'll be able to point people to online to see more about your background, what you've studied, um, you know, why you're so extremely qualified to serve as an expert in contested cases and especially when there's allegations of abuse. Um, and the attorneys that I've spoken with and the ones in the cases where I know you've been involved, um, I think are just thrilled with your work. And, um, and I think having that law enforcement background makes a really big difference. I think it does. And partially because having that law enforcement background allows me to have some knowledge about the legal system, the criminal justice system, whether or not it would be advantageous to enroll the criminal justice system in a custody dispute, whether it would be something that they would be interested in pursuing or something that would be better served on the family law side um, or the civil side, really. Um, so it does provide a lot of advantages in addition, it gives me the advantage of having been in court and having talked to juries on criminal cases. So that being the case, I've had the opportunity to really educate a lot of people about dynamics of things like child molestation and why women stay in domestic violence relationships and why kids love their abusers, things like that, mm -hmm. that are really hard for people to understand because it doesn't seem logical from the outside looking in. Right. And that applies whether the abusive party and it's you know I focus on the mental health aspect of that a lot when I'm bringing in doctors um, to look at cases and um, connecting doctors with attorneys because the attorneys they're not they're not taught to study the psychology the mental health the medical aspects you know it's their job to focus on the legal component and so you as an expert bring in the law enforcement side, but you also have a, you have a lot of depth in the psychology and counseling and therapy arena, right? Yes. Um, as I've 
as I became an investigator and realized that there was a lot more going on than what it looked like on the surface level, I decided to get my bachelor's degree in psychology so that I could better understand my cases and really serve the victims that I was attempting to. Then after leaving law enforcement, I decided to pursue my master's degree, and I am about two months away from completing my classes for my master's in counseling. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yay. So, and I think the point that I was going to make is the issues are not just afflicting women as victims. There are men who are in a relationship with somebody who is abusive, whether it's verbally, physically, or they're doing something that's damaging to the family, it doesn't have to be physical violence. And, you know, so you're, are you able to work with men in those situations as well as women? Absolutely. I recently had a male client that came to my office that had a lot of questions about how he could best serve his daughter. She was a 16-year-old that was struggling with some behaviors that any parent would want to address, and he was really struggling with, how do I do this in the best way possible so that I don't hurt myself legally, but so that I can support my daughter despite the abuse that's occurring from her mother? Right, and that right there is one of the biggest challenges that families face, whether it's whether the protective parent is the mother or the father. How do I get through this legal process, give my child what they need, nurturing, protection, safety, stability? And um, so we need more experts like you, Brooke. So thank you for applying your background in this arena. It's hard work. It's uh, often underappreciated, and there are there aren't enough people who approach it the way you do. Um, so I want to encourage the professionals tuning into the Pro Business Channel and Atlanta legal experts to look up Brooke Ad- Atkinson on atkinsonadvocate.com. And would you like to share an email address or number with the audience? Sure. My email address is brooke at atkinsonadvocate.com. So that that's pretty similar to my website. Um, also, atkinsonadvocate at gmail.com. But then also I can be reached on my business cell phone, which is 770-866-3968. Okay. Well, I, I believe that there are a number of attorneys around the state of Georgia, Metro Atlanta, North. You're on the North Metro end. Yes. So I imagine there are going to be a lot of people thrilled to know that you exist and what you bring to the table. I mean, law, dealing with law enforcement, the intersection between the courts and law enforcement can be a muddy uncertain area for a lot of people. So um, I know that you're adding a lot of value there. And when you go to court, um, the judge views you as an expert. Can you tell us a little bit about what it means to be um, named as an expert in court? So a court, from my understanding, in order to be an expert in the court system, you have to have training, knowledge, or experience that is above that of a typical person or a typical juror. So my expertise um, comes from my law enforcement background, comes from working with hundreds of victims of domestic violence, of sexual assault, of child abuse. And it comes from my um, education in psychology and counseling. Prior to pursuing those degrees... I did a lot of reading, as much reading as I could, honestly, about the topics that I was investigating. And so it took me a couple of years, but after a couple of years, I decided, you know, I'm doing all this work anyway. I might as well get credit for it, right? So that's when I enrolled in school. Yeah, good for you. No, we're glad that you did that. And it's, again, it's much needed. Um, I think we need to expand the arena, the, um, the number of experts there's too many families, there's so much abuse going on, and there's not enough experts with your background. So if someone is listening and they're thinking about school, they're thinking about training, I would encourage you to go to Brooke's website and read and learn um, about these topics. And I know that even though it's hard work, it's rewarding work because you know you're making a difference. Yes. So um, do you have any other words of wisdom you'd like to share with somebody who might be contemplating going into this type of work? 
I would say that it is very rewarding, but it is also very difficult. So if it's not something that you have the ability to compartmentalize, if you're a very empathetic person, then you may want to choose something different. Um, But if you have the ability to provide the compassion that's necessary to work these types of cases and to leave that at the office, so to speak, and be able to go home and enjoy your family too, then have at it. And in fact, if you want, give me a call and we'll talk about how to get there. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. It'd be like going into medicine and deciding to be an emergency room doctor or nurse or, um, you know, a law enforcement officer. And one of the best interviews that I did um, with Pro Advocate Radio last year, we were doing a series on child advocacy. And we had a show with um, the director of DFACS. We did a number of shows with Ashley Wilcott. Again, thank you, Emily Rell. Um, Ashley is the director of the Office of the Child Advocate. And talk about knowledgeable depth. I mean, and that's that's where I see you fitting in. Is And Ashley, when she gets to know you, she's going to be high-fiving you for being in this work because we need more people who think the way you do. And with your type of background, she sees everything. Um, so... Where was I going with this? <laughs> no, oh, oh, I know, I know. So the one of the officers, I've interviewed a number of people in law enforcement, from district attorneys down to the crime victim units um, and back up to the attorney general. And the officer who does for um, the Atlanta Police Department who does the, um, the, the child, the really hard child abuse cases. Um, We were doing a fundraiser for the Georgia Child Advocacy Center. And so we, you know, we got to talk about some tough topics that we, you know, child molestation, child trafficking, and talk about, you know, a powerful intellectual person. She just happens to be a female officer, but um, really great at her job. And um, so I have a lot of respect for people who um, are in law enforcement and then come out of law enforcement and continue in this arena. Because um, I've talked to people with in this similar unit with GBI, for example, and they don't ever want to go back. It's just too hard. Um, so it does take a special person to be able to do the work, um, stay caring and in touch with, you know, what is needed. You can't lose your empathy altogether, but, you know, you can't lead with that and close with that every day. It's not healthy. Right. Um, And I think especially on the eve of 9-11, it's important to say thank you to all those first responders that really put their lives on the line every day. And I am, I know that I am very grateful to my friends that still do that. Um, I feel like I still get to be a part of that process just without putting on the gun and the badge anymore. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that when I was looking at your background and I was thinking about the different jurisdictions and the roles of law enforcement, um, I know there are things that you have to be qualified in, such as a forensic, the forensic interview process. What is the, what's the title of that qualification? Right. So uh, I am a forensic interviewer. I've watched hundreds of forensic interviews. I've conducted around 50, some for the local sheriff's office, some for the FBI, some for the GBI. It just depended on who needed it and who was available. Um, That process includes taking a class called Finding Words. That is the standard here in Georgia. And that's a 40-hour training class that's pretty intense. It's got homework every night. And in order to pass the class, there is a written exam as well as an experiential exam. You have to conduct a forensic interview that is evaluated by your instructor and by your peers. That's significant because not only have you done those, but you're qualified to review somebody else's work. So if you're in a case that involves a forensic interview, that's something you can speak to, um, which we don't hear that a lot. That seems to be lacking in a lot of cases. And like Brooke, I've looked at hundreds of cases, not exactly from the same perspective. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I, in my work, I break down um, behaviors in cases and I analyze and 
and the word that you used when we were speaking about another situation was the term profile. And I think a lot of us understand what a profiler is from watching CSI and other, you know, law right. and order types of shows. Criminal but minds. Criminal minds, yes. yes. So in, in your work, what's, what's the current term for a profiler? The current term is crime analyst. Um, I received that certification a few years ago. I'm a certified crime analyst through the California Department of Justice. And I think we stopped using the term profiling because there were so many other emotions that went with it. Profiling isn't about race. It isn't about gender. It isn't about any of the things that it seems to be associated with. Profiling or crime analysis is about criminal behavior and what that behavior looks like and how you can use a crime scene or the information, the evidence that's left behind to help you determine future behavior so that you can find the individual responsible for a crime. Okay. I think the the points that you just made will probably make more than a few attorneys want to connect with you. So let's give them that business number again and your website. Okay, so the number is 770-866-3968, and the website is atkinsonadvocate.com. Great. Thank you, Brooke. Um, If there were any um, questions that you could give to attorneys who are new to this area, let's say somebody has a case that's been presented to them, and they can tell it's something they've never seen before, when they're when they're looking at the case, what questions should they be asking to determine if they need to bring an expert in like yourself? Okay. So probably the easiest way to determine whether or not you need an expert is to determine whether or not you know enough information to feel like you have what you need to pursue this case. So if you're asking the question, then probably you need to hire an expert. Great point. Yes, thank you very much. Well, it's been great being here with Emily Rowell and Brooke Atkinson on the Atlanta Legal Experts Show, and hope you all have a great day. Thank you again for joining Emily Rowell and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show, and stay tuned for the next episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig-speed internet or other popular plans. With Xfinity, you'll enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Comcast Business gives you the bandwidth you need to power all your devices. Get started with 200 megabit internet and voice for $99.99 per month. And for a limited time, we'll upgrade your speed to 300 megabits for no additional cost for the first year with a three-year agreement. Call 1-800-501-6000 today. Comcast Business, beyond fast. Offer 3120 restrictions apply not available in all areas. New business customers only limited to Comcast Business Internet, 200 megabits per second and one voice mobility line. Regular rates apply after first 12 months. Three-year agreement required. Early termination fee applies. Equipment taxes and fees extra subject to change. Monthly service charge increases by $10 without paperless billing and auto pay.